So we'd, we've been in a sermon series, and uh, we're taking a, a, a pause from that for just a minute. Uh, I had told you last week that, um, excuse me, uh, this past Wednesday, that, that God had really kind of withheld from me exactly what I was supposed to say right up until the very moment that I was supposed to say it. I mean, literally within an hour of me delivering a message, God said, this is what you're going to say. It doesn't always happen that way. Um, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, this particular message, God has been working on me for somewhere in excess of two weeks. Uh, this particular passage that I'm supposed to address, the message that I'm supposed to bring to you is something that God has been impressing upon my heart for quite a while. And I can tell you that it probably started with me, right? It probably started, I mean, I, I was talking with somebody the other day and I said, well, what if, what if the messages that I bring to you guys aren't really for you, they're actually for me and they just happen to be an overflow of what I have learned and I just go and I tell somebody else what I have learned, you know what I mean? Like, that may be the way that these messages happen. I, I can guarantee you for the most part uh, that, that the things that I deal with and the things that I share with you are stuff that I struggle with on a personal level, right? I mean, they're just the overflow of my life. I got to go to God in Scripture and say, all right, God, teach me something, show me something, because I'm an idiot, and I don't really understand, and I don't know why I'm feeling this way. You ever feel like that? Everybody's looking at me like, you must be the only one, Kenny, that feels that way. I've got it all together. I know Jesus' word cover to cover. No reason for me to even question or go back to it. I've got it all figured out. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll be back next week, <laughs> right? Unfortunately, I don't. I don't have it all figured out. I'm still trying to figure it out in a lot of ways. I mean, I, uh, as far as the Scripture is concerned, I'm still a babe in understanding exactly what it says. I, I mean, I have just scratched the surface, you know, like an iceberg. You only see, like, just the tip of the iceberg. Everything else is just below the surface. Man, that's the way God's Word is to me. Like, I am just, I'm over there just chiseling away at the top, you know, the part I can see. And it's like there's just so much underneath that is just there, and it's rich, and it's deep, and it's living, and it's breathing, and it's constantly showing us stuff. And, and this particular message is something that I didn't anticipate for it to go the way that it's going. Um, because I started out with, God, I'm tired. That was going to be like kind of the core of my message, I'm tired. Anybody ever feel tired? You feel, I mean, you could, you're weary, tired. A war out, woe out, whatever you want to call it. I mean, like, you just, you're tired, right? Like, you just, like, I am just exhausted. And to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of times I get exhausted doing church stuff, right? Uh, I get exhausted. I mean, and this is not a, a, a negative, but I get exhausted because I get people coming to me, asking me questions, needing help, uh, trying to understand something, or, or they're struggling with something, and they come to me, maybe they send me a text message, Facebook message, whatever, and they, they, they're like, man, I'm trying my best to help people. And, and sometimes that just makes me tired. Now, is that me trying to tell you don't come to me? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I get tired. I would so rather be tired from talking to people and trying to show them the truth of God than I had to be tired from me just doing a bunch of stuff where I'm just spinning my wheels that's really not accomplishing a whole lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'd rather be tired working for the kingdom of God than tired working doing some other stuff. So tired can be a good thing, but I just I have to go to God sometimes and be like, I am just tired. You're going to have to give me strength. So I started thinking, right? So everybody knows Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? Like I, so I, it's like I started there. I said, okay, I need that. Like, okay, 
what, what are you talking about there, God? Because I have a tendency, I don't know if you know this, but if I see like a little plaque at, at Kirkland's and it's got a verse on it or something, I'm like, I need to hold, know the whole context. I can't just like take that verse and say, man, that is good, that is rich. If it's really that deep, then I need to go and, and understand the context, right? So, you know, at Lifeway, I see a little plaque. Okay, all right, yeah, that's me. Heavy laden, weary, I got it. Okay, that's me. I, I, I want to know, what does that say? So I go and I start reading. And I was like, man, that is not what I thought it was talking about. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus is talking about some stuff, and I didn't really know that's what he was talking about. I thought he meant just like if I was tired, go to him, and he would make me not tired. Because that would be good. Like, I could get like a... You know, a little Jesus pill, and it kind of be like an upper, and I wouldn't be tired anymore, right? Like, that would be good, right? <laughs> my, my little scriptural upper, you know, that'd be awesome. But that's not really what he's talking about. Can you imagine, just for a second, that Jesus may be talking about a kind of rest that surpasses, like, just your tired feeling right now? That Jesus, in his infinite wisdom about, you know, all of eternity, would actually be thinking in eternal terms as opposed to temporary terms. Oh, yeah, he tends to do that, doesn't he? That's kind of the way he talks to us. He's like, okay, like, I know that you're asking questions about right now because you want to know. Like, I, I'll give you an example. I use this example a lot. Like, you, you, they ask Jesus, okay, so like this woman, she's married to this man. And then he dies, and then in Jewish culture, don't, don't be all weirded out this, but in Jewish culture, she would, like, marry his brother sometimes, right? So they would be like, when they get to heaven, who's she married to? And Jesus would be like, you don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even talk to you about heavenly things. I, I can't even talk to you about earthly things, and you understand. How in the world am I going to talk to you about heavenly things, and you be able to get what I'm saying? Like, it's not even going to be that way that you are thinking right now. It's, it's not like what you comprehend right now. I, I, in heaven, you're going to be so fixated on worshiping the king of kings. You're going to be like, we're all family anyway, and, man, we're just going to be worshiping him. And that's all that's going to matter. And by the way, if you're not on board with that, if you're, like, more worried about who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, like, in your family, and are you going to know their names and, and, and all this kind of stuff, then you're, you're focused on the wrong thing. I don't know how to tell you that. I mean, I, like, I, I love my daughter. She passed away, and I, I want to see her in heaven. I really do. But the primary thing I want to see in heaven is Jesus. And I want to be worshiping Jesus, and, and it's, it's going to be great when she's alongside of me. Don't get me wrong. I, I look forward to seeing her, but what I look forward to most to is seeing Jesus and worshiping him, worshiping him. And that's, you know, when you actually think about what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 11, we're not actually going to be in that scripture. We're actually going to be somewhere else in, in Luke chapter 14, but in, in Matthew chapter 11, he starts talking about like, he's done miracles in these cities, and they don't, they don't get it. Like, they're like, yeah, that's, that's the carpenter's son, and yeah, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But they don't repent. They don't turn to God. Nothing changes in their life, and they're just kind of indifferent to Jesus. I mean, really, that's what happens. And, and you know, I mean, Jesus even, he kind of knows that this is going to happen. He says, you know, like, I, I came to save you guys but the very people I came and I'm a part of, you know, the, the Israelite family, they're going to ignore who I am. And this is evident by what he continues to face as he, as he goes about his life is that the people that, that he's a part of, man, they just ignore who he is. They don't really accept and embrace who Jesus really is. And he says, he says, I did all these miracles in front of you. And you didn't repent. You didn't turn towards God. You didn't get it. And then he goes into talking about 
people that do get it, people that understand it, people that really get who Jesus is and what he's trying to say. And he says to them, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Some people think that they're not worthy of eternity with the king. Some people think that they haven't really uh, obtained this this upper echelon status that you're supposed to have and your understanding of the Bible and your understanding about church and, you know, where you're supposed to sit when you come in here. Do I sit on the front row, the back row? Do I sit on the left side, right side, in the middle? Where do I sit? Because, you know, I don't know where I fit in. I've had some people tell me, as a matter of fact, man, if I go into that place, the building's probably going to burn down because I'm so bad, I'm so awful, I'm so not worthy to be there. And I want to tell those people, and I do tell those people, you're exactly the kind of people Jesus came to save. Those that feel unworthy, those that feel like they can't, those that feel like they have no ability, that's exactly who he came to save. The religious pious of the day, you know, the ones that wore the robes and headdresses and all this kind of stuff, and they walked around and they were super duper clean and all that kind of stuff. He's like, you are the people that don't get it. You are the people that that think that it's all about the way that you look and the outside appearance and all that. And he's like, you don't get, I came to save the wretched. The ones that like don't even think that they're capable of understanding. That's who I came to save. Those that feel like they're the outcasts of the world that don't belong anywhere else. That's exactly who I came to save. If you feel like an outcast, if you feel like you don't belong, you are in the right place. You're in the perfect place. Because you are ripe for the gospel and you are ripe to go and take that gospel that once you understand what Jesus was saying to you and how he rescued and redeemed you and made you brand new and clean, you are ripe to go and say to somebody else that is unclean and go and say, I was there. I was right where you are and I know how you feel and I know that you feel like you're unworthy. I was there and God made me clean. He didn't have to. There's no reason to. I didn't deserve it, but I just believed, and he made me clean. I think sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to convince people that look like us, sound like us, act like us, have as much money as us, drive the same cars as us. We spend a lot of time trying to convince them so they'll come and they'll be like us. Man, I think that we got to act in such a way that we're reaching out to people that, that once those people that... That, that, man, we're, we're like, we're trying so hard on certain people in our lives, but we're ignoring like 90% of the people that we encounter every day or 90% of the people that we could be encountering. You know, the, the, the lower ones, the, the ones that feel like they're incapable, the ones that, that feel like they're unloved and, and they've been burned by religion and they say, man, I don't want to be a part of any kind of religious organization. And we should be spending more time with them because we spend all of our time focused on these people that look, act, sound, and talk like us. Man, we got... You know, I, 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 okay, I'm sorry. I, I could get off on a soapbox there. It, it lasts about an hour and a half, and we don't have that kind of time. But I want you to understand, I, I get questions a lot of times. So what happens to an infant if they die, right? Everybody asks that question, right? What happens to an infant if they die? What happens to uh, a child or an adult that is, that is not mentally capable of fully understanding, fully grasping the gospel of Jesus Christ? They can't really confess Jesus Christ as Lord, but but... 
but like what happens to them? An infant, the same way, you know? Like what ha- do they go to heaven? And, and the best evidence we have is when King David says, you know what, look, look, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a child that has died and, and, and he can't come to me, but I can go to him. The reality of God being the righteous judge, man, you understand that those people, those, 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 the infants that have passed away, or the people that lack the mental capacity to be able to fully grasp the gospel. You understand that's exactly the example Jesus is given when he says, in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be like a child. Man, they are the picture of the gospel. That, that, that is exactly who we're supposed to be like to enter into the kingdom of God. Of course they're in the kingdom of God. That's how we're supposed to be. They're supposed to be our role models. They're supposed to be our examples for how we're supposed to be. Trusting, open-hearted, not closed off, you know? Come on. We're supposed to be like them. Of course they're in the kingdom. They're our example. It's the people that brush Jesus off, the people that, that, that just ignore the truth. They see it, and they, they blow it off and say, you know what, it's too hard. It's too hard to make myself like a child. See, that was the problem with the Pharisees. It was too hard for them to, I mean, to, to be like a child. I mean, he, he talks to them and says, you know what? You got to be born again. They're like, what? I got to go into my mother's womb again? No, 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 no. You have to be born of the spirit. You got to be like a newborn. You got to be an infant. You got to start over, start fresh. Stop thinking the way you think right now and start fresh and let your spirit be reborn into this new way of thinking. That's how you enter into the kingdom. It doesn't seem like it makes sense that way. But that's exactly what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus gives us a parable here. And I, I like this parable, okay? Because this, this is a picture of what we see uh, in, in society today a lot of times. Hearing this, a man... Sitting at a table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. This is somebody that's very excited about attending, you know, a banquet in the kingdom of God. Like, like that's going to be cool. That's going to be good food. You know what I mean? Like, that's, we, we're going to eat good at, at a kingdom of God banquet. That's going to be awesome. I want to be a part of that. But listen to what Jesus says in response to that. Because this is, this, this is what I see more often than not, Okay. And Jesus replied with this story. He says, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. Many invitations, right? So a man sending out invitations to his feast. When the banquet was ready, he sent over his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so, so I can't come. This is the picture of most of the society we live in. Week in and week out, we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can say, you need to come to Christ. You need to fully surrender. Heart, life, soul, strength belongs to God. That's the way that you enter into the kingdom of heaven. And people go, 
well, that sounds too hard. Is there an easier way, right? Is there an easier way? Because I, I, I don't know about selling out completely to this thing because then you're going to make me proclaim this in front of people and people are going to know I'm a Christian and all that kind of stuff. I'm not really so down with that. And then you're going to expect me to do stuff like minister to the homeless or, or love people in a way that I didn't love before. I'm not, I, I, they start making excuses, right? I can't really do that. I can't really do that. This is, a, this is the parable that Jesus is teaching here. So there's a banquet. It gets ready. So the kingdom of God is here. And one of them says, oh, but, but I've got a field I've got to attend to. I just bought some land. Is this really an excuse to not come to this amazing banquet? It's because you've got some dirt. I, I, I've got something I've got to go attend to in my house. I, I can tell you that, that there's a lot of things in my house that are in disrepair right now. There's a lot of things that are kind of falling apart and I need to fix. If you live in my house, you know what I'm talking about. I put my priority on the kingdom of God. Okay, I put my priority in saying, you know what? There's a lot of stuff that's going to fall by the wayside, but I know that the kingdom of God is what's most important. Now, I'm not saying that to boast about Kenny. I'm just saying that, that there's, there's got to be a point where you say, you know what, enough is enough. The kingdom of God, if it's really important, if the people of God are really important, then that's what I'm going to be fixated on. Another one says, another one says I, just, I just bought some animals, man. I got some ox, and they're, they need to be tended to. I, you know, I, I got to go check on them. I got, I got to try them out. It didn't even say, like, you got to attend to them. He said, I got to try them out, see how they work. This great banquet, this great feast that God has prepared for us, there's a lot of people that will miss out because they'll say some lame excuse about why they can't be there. And this is not just a one-time thing. This is an excuse people make every single day. And you will see this. You know how I can give you an example of when you'll see this. We have four tables set up right out there in, in, in the lobby area. And those are, those are for uh, people to sign up to be a part of small groups, right? And we know that small groups is important for you to be a member and a, a, family, a part of the family of God, that you grow in your understanding of God's word, that we do, we do life together arm in, arm in arm because the kingdom of God is the most important thing. You want to see some excuses, you wait until people start walking by those tables and don't sign up to be part of small groups. Oh, I, got, I, I work every six months of a Sunday, I can't really be a part of a small group. Oh, I, I, got, I got, look, man, look, Sunday's the only day that, that, that I get to rest. I work on Saturday, so I, I can't be a part of a small group. Man, I got some kids at home, and, and, and those kids, I got to take care of them. I can't really be a part of a small group. You want to see some excuses about the kingdom of God. It's an overflow. Just, just so you know, it's an overflow of how you really feel about Jesus Christ. I know that sounds hard, and it's like, Kenny, why are you getting on this? Like, because it's real. Because it's real. So I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm going to take my tithe check and go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Because I can promise you that Jesus can do a lot more with two mites from a widow than he can with 30 pieces of silver from a traitor. We want to make excuses. Oh, I got this going on. I can't do it. can't do it. And you watch, people feel convicted right now. You got goosebumps and hair standing up on your arms right now, and you'll walk right by those tables and won't ever sign up for a small group and feel okay about it. 
Well, my hope is, my hope is, is you won't stop throwing up when you go home because you're so sick to your stomach about who you are and your relationship with Jesus that you can't sleep at night and you'll call me in the middle of the night or you message me on Facebook going, I have to sign up for a small group because I don't want this to be an overflow of my life and my relationship with Jesus. That would be my prayer for you, that you will not stop throwing up when you get home because you've walked by a table and said, I'm not signing up for a small group. I'm not going to do it. It's too much work. That's, it's, two Sunday, it's two days a month. It's too much. Can't do it. Sorry. I got other stuff going on. You know what? You know, hey, small group leaders, if you can't find anybody to sign up for your small group, go have your small group at the prison. Go have your small group at the prison. You'll find some people that want to hear the, the, about the kingdom of God in there. Go, go down to the soup kitchen and do your small group at the soup kitchen and get some people to sign up down there. Am I right, Miss Dorothy? They'll listen to you down there, won't they? There's some women down in Talladega that listen to you too, won't they? Ain't that right, Miss Tammy? I know they I just got married, I, I, so I can't come. Bring your wife with you. Bring your wife with you. Maybe she needs to hear too. Maybe she needs to be part of the banquet too, right? Listen to what happens. All these people are making excuses. Send out many invitations. It turns out nobody will come. We got small group leaders that have been preparing and studying material, trying to get ready for, for small groups. And, and I was told last week, our first week of sign-ups for small groups, we didn't have anybody sign up. They all said, well, I'll have to see. I'll have to see. I don't know right now. I'll have to see. Many invitations. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious. By the way, I didn't make this up. You should go read this on your own. It says the master was furious. Jesus telling a parable about the kingdom of God and it says the master was furious. You need to hear that. I didn't make it up. It's right there. The master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Those are the people that can't come on their own. He He says, we'll go get them. They may not be able to see their way here, Let's go get them. Let's bring them here. They don't have to be able to walk here because they're lame. Let's go get them and let's, let's carry them on our backs if we have to. Let's bring them. Yeah. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Listen to the last line. Last line. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. My intent was to tell you how you could find rest. My intent was to tell you 
how you could understand how you could truly get rest. That's the way it started out when I started talking to Jesus about this. And I wanted Jesus to show me, God, I'm tired. How do I get rest? I want to know how I'm supposed to be able to find peace, to find solace in my heart. I want to know. So I started reading. I started reading what God had to say about it. And God said this. There's a ton of people that have seen the reality of who I am. There's a ton of people who have seen exactly who I've revealed myself to be. But they've ignored me. They've ignored me. Don't be like that. Don't ignore me. Don't ignore the reality of who I am. I revealed to you who I am. Now you just got to respond to it. And that's what he said. He said, he said now you just got to respond. The banquet is ready. The feast is prepared. Now you just got to respond. So many times we don't respond. And it's the overflow of our heart. So many times we just ignore it. We say it'll go away. It'll pass. It's, it's not really real. It's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. And it'll go away. So we don't respond. We don't say yes to Jesus. The reality is those excuses those ways of ignoring it, those ways of saying it's not real, that is just the overflow of your heart. That is just the overflow of your heart. Now, the good news is this. Good news is this. Jesus came to die for every single person. If you've ignored him in the past, if you've said, you know what, this thing is too hard. I've counted the cost before, and it's just too hard. Jesus died for you you've made excuses before and said, you know what? I've got something else going on. It's not important to me right now. One day it may be important to me. Maybe if I'm sick, maybe if I got cancer, maybe if I got a child that's dying, maybe it'll be important then. Jesus died for you. He died so that you wouldn't have to wait. He died so that you wouldn't have to wait till something bad had happened. If you're here, say, you know what? I don't, I don't even belong here. I don't belong here because I've done too much. I've messed up too much. I'm too fallen. I'm too broken. The building should have caught on fire when I walked in the door because of how nasty I am. Jesus died for you. Every single time you come into this place, you got a choice as to whether to say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. Every single time. When you wake up in the morning on Sunday morning, you got a choice as to whether you say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. When you wake up on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Thursday morning, you got a choice as to whether you'll say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. My prayer today is that you would stop making excuses. My prayer today is that you would come and fall on your face before an almighty God and say yes to Jesus. No matter what you've done, where you've been, how awful you may have looked in the past, you'll say yes to Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus died for you. He died so that you could be died so that that heart of stone can be taken out and the heart of flesh can be put in its place. Will you say yes to Jesus today? Will you just say yes to Jesus today? Father, God, your people are here. They have heard your word. Your Holy Spirit has spoken. Now it's our, our, our choice. We have a choice right now as so whether we'll say yes to Jesus. There's so many broken lives in this place. 
So many people that are hurting for so many reasons. So many people that feel like they're unworthy for so many reasons. God, you know every single one of those. You tell us in your word that when we were at our nastiest, that when we were at our most terrible condition, God, that's when Christ died. It's just the right moment. Christ died. God, you don't lie. You you are the author of truth. So, Lord, today, I pray that we would embrace truth, that we would embrace Jesus, and that we would embrace you through Jesus. God, please, please don't people be complacent. Stir them to the point where they are sick to their stomachs so they have to say yes to Jesus. This is our chance to respond to you, to say yes to you. No more excuses. Yes to Jesus. Be glorified now, Father, as we say yes to Jesus. It's in his name.